The following is a CA original. Really plays with our football team. Gets to the outside, Cut. gets inside the five. He gallops into the end zone. Touchdown, Tigers. Really capitalized on a lot of opportunities throughout the game, having four takeaways. Picked off at the 30. He may Down go. the right sideline to the 20, to the 10. It's a pick six. Challenge them about uh, coming out and playing a complete line, game. And he's got it for a touchdown, and it's 41 to 3. That's his first rushing touchdown. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shad. All right, what's up, y'all? We are back week three, I guess, of camp. I don't know. They're all running together at that at this point. Um, we are back, uh, Jeff Calkins and I, here in the studio. Um, a lot, as always, to talk about. We will get into uh, some stuff about fall camp. We will talk about uh, Paxton Lynch and the reports out of Broncos camp. Um, but the big thing kind of in the last week has been the IPF and everything that's been going on there. And that was a story, I guess, what was that the latter part of last week? Um, and then today there's an interview, which I haven't had a chance to to listen to yet. But Jeff, you you heard it here this morning where, where uh, Tom Bowen was on Sports 56 um, and talked a little bit about IPF, but then a little bit about uh, from what your tweet said and kind of what I've heard from other people kind of what we should be covering, what the stories are out of the university, that sort of thing. What what did he say, I guess? For well, let me, let me say this. First of all, I think they're to be congratulated on getting the funding done for the indoor practice facility finally. And and that the uh, the the fact that there's a new board uh, made that possible. Um, it's not a rich university, and they got it done, and they should be congratulated for it. And, and for people, we should fill in if people haven't read the story. Basically, what happened is their board of trustees, the University of Memphis, um, decided to take on what was it, ten a ten million dollar right, ten debt. million dollar ten million dollar debt in order to because they have uh, donations that have been uh, uh, pledged to build the practice facility. Those those donations come in over a period of time and the bills need to be paid now or, you know, over the next 18, 24 months. So they, they, they borrowed $10 million to, to, to sort of get them through because of the timing of the, of the, of the donations, whatever. So, and that the new board, um, w- this would not have gotten past the board of regents, which used to have some, which had some, uh, requirements about how much money actually had to be in hand and stuff. And so you're able right. to streamline it, have a new board, they get it done, all that's fabulous. I think uh, the the important work David Rudd did in helping to get a new with Bill with with Governor Haslam on ha- helping to get a new board made this possible. It didn't happen as fast as some people would like. There were some mysterious delays as we wondered why there was a groundbreak and then no action and whatever else. But I think first of all, they're to be congratulated for that. Second of all, I think that um, both both David Rudd and Tom Bowen clearly have great passion for not just the university, but for athletics sure. and have clearly transformed the football program. And I think their heart's in the right place and they work hard and they're, and I understand why they get frustrated about things as well. Um, and so, so yeah, so Tom Bowen was on 56 today though. And he was angry. Like he was fired up that we aren't covering more women's volleyball. And instead we're, we're writing about this or whatever, whatever Olympic sport, is being undercovered. Instead, we're talking about a $10 million loan and why it's happening, et cetera. And with all due respect, um, it's laughable. 
I mean, that's laughable. There are two programs here that define the athletic department, define the future athletic department, that are the reason for deficits, that are the reason for hope, if there is any, of getting in another conference that people care about, people go to watch, people give money for, whatever. Those are football and basketball. And if there is some issue in football and basketball, people are going to write about it, people are going to talk about it. If he wants to go to a place where Olympic sports matter, he should go to a small college where it doesn't matter. You know, he knows very well. He's not a moron. He went to Notre Dame. Um, He knows very well what matters in this community, and it's basketball and football. So to go on and say all these the wrong stories are being covered is just preposterous. The other thing is, is that while I think they've by and large done a great job with the athletic department, with some notable exceptions, basketball contracts that have been handed out, for example, the last two, um, but while they've done it by and large, have done a great job. I think they do just a horrendous job of communicating, just horrendous. And, um, and I mean, you've got, what is the system? Is it David Rudd tweeting? Is it, um, is it, is it press releases that may or may not, whatever? I mean, and, and here's, here's the truth. If they had said on the, this happened last Thursday, right? And it wasn't just the papers. Like it sparked when this happened, story comes out, borrow $10 million. What's happening? And every radio station, both there, every there are two two radio stations in town. Sure. One that people listen to, one that they don't particularly. And um, and that if they had simply said, "Hey, this is what's going to be," if they'd called you and said, "Hey, this is what's going to be happening. Uh, we're going to borrow ten million. It, we're not borrowing ten million. It's just to get through to." Then, then none of this there would have been a story up immediately at commercialpeel.com, and n- people wouldn't have been furious or or confused or anything and indeed when i texted david rudd he texted me back and he's very helpful and i thought in a sunday column i was able to explain why all these conspiracy theories about how they're putting basketball over football or how they whatever like our our cockamamie the conspiracies aren't right but they all they had to do was communicate that on the front end and and there wouldn't have been any of this. Now, it wouldn't have meant that we'd all of a sudden start covering women's volleyball, uh, and no one is. And and you know, that's that's the nature of sports. Like, it is true. If there is a one-legged volleyball player uh, uh, from Borneo who you know who uh, is fighting off a dreaded disease and is fantastic, then I'll write about her. But fair, but but, but like I just we don't we don't cover women's volleyball much. I've never I've been here twenty one years. I haven't written a women's volleyball comp. So, um, and that's no disrespect to them. I also don't write about right. the members of the orchestra or the like. Lots of people at the University of Memphis are doing lots of activities and don't get quote unquote written about. They're just doing their thing because they're passionate about their thing, whether they're artists, musicians, or athletes or whatever else. We only give this absurd amount of coverage to football and basketball, which we do. Um, and so to ask that there be the same absurd amount of coverage to the rest of the thing, I think is just silly. But the truth of the matter is, if he's mad and if they're mad, they can be mad at themselves. And themselves for the failure to communicate. And so now what they seem to be doing is um, now they do regularly pop on 56, which is and I understand. I, I, and by the way, I have like great respect for a lot of the people who are over at 56. I was at 56 myself once, whatever. The simple reality is, though, that like 92.9 where I am now, if you're going to be communicating to the masses, the masses don't listen to 56. Like the masses listen, like just look, I'm not going to well, look at the ratings. It's like, like not even close. So you have uh, interviews on 56, which is 
I don't know. Like I know Mark Giannato has a hard time reaching Tom Bowen when he wants to reach Tom Bowen. The CA reaches people, whatever. And so now this idea is that they're sort of communicating by Tom Bowen going on 56, but they're not like, that's not, I don't know. Their their, their level of the way that they try to get their message out. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. And, And at a time when in fact, I think they should be congratulated for getting this done. I know it was clumsy, and I don't buy. Like I get besieged by football fans who tell me people care only about fo- only about basketball. They're ignoring football. They're ignoring football. And I'm always saying, no, 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 no. I, I really think Tom Bowen and, and David Rudd honestly care more if you'd really shoot, shoot them through with truth serum. Truth I think serum. they care more about football than they do about basketball. I think it's crap, that conspiracy theory. Um but they're allowed to fester because all people see is this first, where's the ground open? When's the groundbreaking? Because we didn't have a groundbreaking. It was supposed to be, what, 2015? Well, that was, yeah, when they first announced the time to shine, they basically made it seem like, and this was like two months after right. I come on the beat, but they they were basically like, we're going to start basketball, then we're going to start football, and it's going to happen, right. boom, boom, bang, bang. Yeah, and so so first, where's the groundbreaking? And then there's a groundbreaking, and there's no action. And so instead of just being up front, hey, this is what's happening, being proactive and trying to communicate it, like it's allowed to be a mystery. So I do think that that that, that whatever, I think they could do a better job of communicating. So um, so it was just to have him so fired up about it was just bizarre, honestly. And for a guy who I think has done a really good job, Tom Bowen has done a really good job. I just thought it was a weird moment. Well, and a lot of things that I was kind of thinking as you were going through that. But the first thing is, you know, a lot of what we do, and that's not to say that we are exclusively just like writing about, you know, whatever fan X wants to read about, but there is a lot of interest in football and basketball. And that's why we write. That's why the paper has a football beat writers, because there is a lot of interest in football. I don't get questions about like, you know, on Twitter about what's going on with the volleyball team. I get questions about like, Tim Bellis, a redshirt sophomore long snapper, and like whether he's going right. to, you know, factor into the long snapping equation. Like people really, really care about football, and that's why I'm here. And so, if you're listening and you really care about something else, or you think there's a good story, like by all means, let me know. Here's but, the truth: but when like, you get- we occasionally do do, like I did a I did a column last year on a hearing impaired softball player that they had over there. Right. Right. And so if there's a good story, now mind you, I don't know them all. So someone does, it actually is incumbent on them, like lots of of people to reach out and say, you know, Conkins, there's this great story over here involving such and such. And you, like everybody else does, you tend to either be some, some of those you write, some of them you can't write. But it's that kind of story that we will tell. You went and did this whole story on Rifle, for rifle. heaven's sakes. When Rifle was dominant, you would went and did a big takeout on Rifle. But we don't write Rifle as a daily as a daily update because people don't care about Rifle as a daily update. No res- disrespect to you, Riflemen. Right. And that's and there. that's I think what's important to say is just because we're not writing about the rifle team on a daily basis is not intended as a slight against the no, rifle team. My kids, I have three kids, all of whom do different kind of activities. None of those activities are ever written about ever. You know, and kids are like students are doing stuff for all kinds of reasons. Um, and hopefully it's not to get in the paper, you know, or to get on radio, like because most aren't. It's just a select. It's just we're just lunacy of the level of interest in football and basketball. So that's what drives it. And that's what we talk about. But anyway, so to me, I don't think there's any big scandal with the at all, like with the with the with the football. So it's great they're getting it built. Um 
And, and, and what actually happened there is they had this time to shine campaign, $40 million they're going to raise. Right. And they didn't raise $40 million. I mean, to be completely clear, they didn't, but they raised 30 some and that's pretty good. Um, honestly, uh, and they raised 30 some and they're building these two new facilities and, you know, you can make an argument the other way. Like w- someone wrote me and said, why are they, when, when they run a deficit in football every year, why are they spending so much? Why are they doing it? Well, they're doing it because they're trying to, they're trying to be relevant and trying to keep up. And, and honestly, they're ultimately trying to get in some other conference where it'll pay for itself and everything else. And so they're, they're huge challenges for the university of Memphis. And I am by and large impressed by the way, um, they meet them. Um, I'm just wasn't particularly impressed by Tom Bowen's, peculiar rant today the one thing that i did want to say about the communications thing i did want to add a caveat that there there are many different levels and layers of of communications and the day-to-day communications that i've had over there with like the pr staff who are out of practice yes like tammy for example who works in football could not be better this was not a blanket shot at everybody over there at all tammy couldn't be better honestly the football program broadly is unbelievably good like because it starts from norvell who cares right and so um cares deeply about it and doesn't consider the press the enemy considers the press the friend and so it trickles down tammy's unbelievably helpful they're unbelievably good it's just the opposite with basketball but yes the issue i think is that when you get on larger scale things there's often a confusion in terms of who's going to be directing a strategy who's going to be reaching out who's going to be like they're they're just like what's the right. who phrase there's a lot of who communicates if on on something like this athletic on on, on a, a is that a university question is it an athletic question is it the president's office question is it, it like where is that supposed to come from and so it tends to come f- from nobody well that's, or at least it's you know whatever and it didn't help that that for example, David Rudd tweeted out the date of the meeting, and he had a typo. I talked to him later about it. He said it was going to be the eighth, the eighth. and it was the third. Now there was a press conference. On, there was a press release on their actual site that said that said the third. But when he tweeted it out, he tweeted out that the meeting was going to be on the on the eighth. I'm sorry, yes, right. on the eighth instead of the third. So like that didn't help either. So I mean, there you were ready to go to the ready to yeah, go to the actual board uh, for, yeah. for the eighth. So that's a different kind of a communication issue, which is just a stroke of the pen. But anyway, I, I don't want to get on my soapbox about it. But it was just weird and hearing him hearing him and do it now in terms of the facility itself. It is good that they're getting it done. They didn't have people often talked ask me as I said whether they care about football more or basketball more. Here's the truth: I think they care about football more. I think they're boosters. Care the rich boosters care more generally. Not Fred. Fred cares more about football than basketball. But by and large, the rich boosters historically care more about basketball. So it's a dilemma for them. They they I think institutionally care more about football. They know that football is what matters now. But it's Bill Laurie who's writing the check for ten million. There's no one writing a check for ten million for football. That's the only reason that that the basketball facility got built before the football facility because they had ten million. They need rich football boosters, and they don't have the 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 the, the history of success is what created the rich basketball boosters. Right, um, and. They don't have as many for football, and that's a little bit of a dilemma for them as they're trying – because I do think they care deeply about football. Right, and that's going to be a long-term thing. I think as football 
continues to be kind of like not that they're going to win 9 10 11 games every year but i think as they continue to you know you avoid if you avoid like larry porter eras and stuff and you just have this long span then you'll have kids who grew up you know going to watch paxton lynch or whatever and they remember beating Ole Miss and being there and and then I think you see that paradigm. Right. And you're already seeing it in, you're already seeing it in recruiting. It's interesting to me because people when they talk about basketball recruiting and the difficulty that they have about getting local recruits now, people say, well, that's because, you know, Derek Rose was a lifetime ago in terms of a high school kid. That's true and that's bad. On the flip side is is that football players only remember like remember Memphis being being good at football. Like right. it can switch very quickly. And so the football players who are now juniors and seniors in Memphis, when they think of Memphis football, they think of Paxton Lynch and they think of, you know, 10 win seasons and they think of bowl games and they think of excitement and it can just three years, maybe less for boosters, but for, for recruits, three years is enough to change what a program is. And it has, because you now see football players, local, local football players recruiting here. I mean, committing here who never would have in the past. Right. The last thing that I want to say about the IPF, I actually just asked Mike Rod just came from, from practice yep. over here and I asked him what the changes were because Dr. Rudd had said, um, in that he actually went on Sports 56 last week and said, you know, Coach Norvell has had a huge hand in kind of right. the design. We've made some changes. And so I asked him what the big changes were. And he said the biggest change was with the training table. And this is just for fans who are curious. He said that there, there being a lot more, the training, athletic training facilities are going to be a lot more expanded and state of the art than they were in the original plan so like they want to have giant like whirlpools and, and ice tubs and they basically just want everything right. to be state of the art one thing that i don't know is given that they said the original it was going to be 20 million and 20 million and they just approved a 10 million dollar football practice facility what it was going to be a 20 million facility is that a phase one i, I honestly don't i just don't know the answer to that and maybe you don't know the I, yeah that i don't know the answer because that honestly a 20 million dollar facility isn't the same as 10 million dollar facility so but it doesn't sound like from what you said that they're that they're subtracting they're adding the, the coaching offices are still going to be over there the dining facility is still right. going to be over there um yeah that's that's been one of the fuzzy things i think just a kind of a frustration i mean for me trying to cover it too is like i don't know exactly where all the money's going or exactly how much it's going to cost and that has you know kind of over the over the years now you know we've kind of been like oh well are they are they scaling back the good news is they're getting it done there used to be a bulldozer sitting out there as we know they used to recruit by pointing to the bulldozer under the in the the rip shear that was a rip shear era would point to the bulldozer and then tommy went on the rant about you know and then you had the years when literally it would rain and you would get on buses and you would go practice at high schools um and all that is a thing of the past and um and that is that is why this administration deserves a lot of credit because all that has changed. Right. Anyway, how about on the field? Who's look good? <laughs> a nice segue. Yeah. Um, you did a piece on a kicker. I do think, like, of all the changes, we don't talk about the kicker much. No. But they had should. an awesome kicker, and now they need to get a new kicker. And 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 it's funny, like. Offensive linemen, you can recruit three or four, and hopefully two of them come through, and whatever. Kicker, you got a kicker. And he and better be good. Kicker. And that's your kicker. And that's about it. Yeah. How's he looked? He, uh, so it's, it's hard. And it's on, let me, let me start by saying that it is going to be an inherently unfair season for Mr. Riley Patterson because everybody was just 
everybody got to watch Jake Elliott, who was one of the highest drafted kickers in the past decade. Like, not just he was the first kicker drafted this year, but he was one of the top, like, four or five drafted From any school, anywhere from, in the NFL, right. In the past 10 years. Yep. So, he was pretty good. Um, so, to go from that, like, I think, you know, Riley Patterson is not going to beat Jake Elliott this year. And as Joe Laurie, the special teams coordinator, said, said, like, Jake wasn't even Jake his freshman year. Like, you have to think back to, I guess I would have been 13 or whatever, you know, when Jake Elliott first came, or, or 12, whatever it was. Like, when you bring in a true freshman kicker, it's a dramatic change um and the biggest thing what i wrote about you know in the the story is basically just adjusting to pressure because here like we asked riley patterson like what's the biggest crowd you've kicked in front of and he said a thousand i love i love the and he'll detail. go to ulm and it'll be 40 times that i love the detail that you included in the story about mike norvell getting the alums the fans who would come out to watch the the, 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 yeah, it was the 901 stop. club yeah the 901 club was out there so what did he do so basically, like what they do at the end of every practice, they have a game-winning field goal where they crowd the entire team around, uh, you know, the kicker kind of in a huddle. Everybody's like yelling, trying to distract him. Like Riley uh, Patterson was saying, you know, people like run in front of the ball right before he kicks it. Like basically, no holds barred, just try to like throw him off his his groove. And so they had an open practice for for season ticket holders essentially, and Norvell waved all of them onto the field to come in and basically said. Like yell like you're at the Liberty Bowl. They must have loved that too. Like that's a great touch from Norvell because it's a great touch. It really a, was. It's a great touch for creating the distraction, but what a great touch for making those fans feel like they're a part of it. Right. And then Riley, it was uh, it was like a like Mark Giannato was there, and he goes, "There's your lead," and I'm like, "Yep," because the ball sails, hits off the right upright, and everybody's like, "Oh," and then oh, and that it missed, and it missed. Yeah, it just bounced off the upright and and fell. So. I guess when you ask how does he look, it's hard for me to say objectively because he does not look like Jake Elliott. Right. But nobody was going to look like Jake Elliott. All they, I know, all I know is this program has a history of people named Riley stepping in for legends and performing without even so much as a drop off. If this Riley you got other ones besides like, Ferguson? No. no okay, oh, okay, well that's a history. Like, Come there on, another, man. I said another things, Riley though. I said things could change fast. Yeah. Uh yeah. Okay. And then the other question I had was you keep writing about all these receivers who are going to have an impact, right? Latin, Pop was the most recent. Right. But then before that it was uh it was the the Coxie. The Coxie, right? Coxie. Yep. How can they all have an impact? They got one ball. <laughs> like, and you already got Mayhew, and you already got Sam Kraft, and obviously you already got Anthony Miller, and you got Tony Pollard, and now you've got Pop Williams, and you've got Coxie. It's crazy how much talent they have there. It's it's talent, but more than that, it's depth. Like, I think it's very similar to running back the past couple of years, where you go, how are all these guys going to get carries? And basically the answer is, you're just going to give them all a little bit. And then if somebody starts like, like pop Williams is not going to start. I don't think he's probably going to be like a number two guy. He's going to play. Um, but then if he starts going off, but aren't Mayhew and more. Miller going to be there all the time. Yeah. But I mean, you, you put pop in the slot, you can, you know, and, and he's, he's a little bit of a different like case because he is five, nine, right. One seventy. Like he brings a different dimension kind of similar to to coaxy and that coaxy is like this six three like great ball skills like they bring a, a little bit different dimension just in terms of the type of receiver that they are um, but i think that honestly to answer your question like they're just going to keep everybody fresh like they're just going to roll people through and if you're like a cornerback you know you might be chasing anthony miller on a deep route 
and then you jog back to the line of scrimmage and Pop Williams is out there. Or even if they sub, you know, and if they like bring in another player or whatever, now it's your depth against their depth. And I think that that ends up being an advantage for Memphis just with, I mean, like you said, the amount of depth. Like that can only that can only help, and it's not. We talk all the time about running backs. I think receiver, the receiving depth is going to be huge. Tight end, I think you know they've got with Magnifico and and Dykes. Like they've got some depth there, and then some of the freshmen coming up. So, um, I mean, I think they're all going to they're all going to play. They're all going to have an impact. I don't think Pop is going to start, or I don't think Coxie's going to start. Though it's going to be hard if he keeps. He's he's crazy. He's been great. He's been he's been crazy. I I and if. I told somebody at practice, like I was just talking with somebody the other day, and I said if he was behind anyone other than Phil Mayhew, who's just about like does everything perfect in practice, like it would be really hard not to start him. Like he's he's just been that Tremendous. good, and you can just tell. What's really interesting is you can start to tell that quarterbacks, if they get in a bind, they just like look for ten, and I think that speaks volumes. Where like they'll they'll be in some you know team drill, and like the pocket collapses. And they'll roll out, and the first guy that like Brady Davis or David Moore is looking for is ten, and they just throw it up to him, and he comes down with it. And that I think, you know, having that amount of where has Pollard gotten most of his snaps? Pollard actually, yeah, I mean, running back, but but they move him around. I mean, they've basically done what right. I what I thought right. they would do with him, where they're moving him all over the place. Um, and obviously, this week they go to Lambeth. Saturday, there's a scrimmage. Saturday at uh, in Jackson. Saturday, there's a scrimmage. Uh, right now, it sounds like it is tentatively planned to happen at the university's campus like the lambeth campus i know last year was at a high school that's because they had flooding the area, at the campus. They, they had drainage yeah. issues at yeah. the campus so this year they're hoping that they can just hold it there um on the campus but yeah it'll be the same kind of it's a fun event by the way it was year. nice yesterday I went, last year i went last year it was it was fun well attended lively and uh nice nice way to spend a saturday morning and the players have all raved about it. you know norvell like that was his big thing was you know we want to have a little getaway because arizona state does this camp uh Tortenzola, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but where they get away for a little bit. And and this is, I think, something similar, lots of team building activities and get to know everybody. And and he, he wants to make it an annual event. Um, and it was it was a cool thing to witness last year. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to get to, <laughs> Memphis related, um, was the report from Charles Robinson of Yahoo. Mm. I guess that was yesterday yeah. um, about Paxton. Basically, uh, he just interviewed people or, or he said he talked to people within the organization who have watched film of, of Paxson at Broncos practice and that he has lost every day or every practice uh, to that point to Trevor Simeon from, from people who've watched the film. What do you think uh, the Bron- and I know obviously neither of us are out there, uh, you know, in, in training camp, but what do you think they should do with Paxson this year? And what do you think they will do? Um, well, I don't think they, they, I mean, they should play the best quarterback at this point. You know, it's been, um, they're not in a position where they're the New York Jets and they're just trying to develop or lose or whatever else. You know, they're not a fledgling, they play the best quarterback. And so, um, so that's what you got to do. You got to play the best quarterback. It's a, to me, it's, um, it's a little worrisome uh, if you're a Paxton fan, as I am, because it, most first round picks don't make it. Like first round quarterbacks, they they end up being called busts, whether that whatever that whether whether it's Brady Quinn or whether it's Jake Locker or whether it's Cade McDown or whether it's EJ Manuel or whether it's Christian Russell, on and on and on. Most yeah. of them don't make it, and then 
I would think that if you are one of the ones who's going to, since the numbers were, the odds were against him to begin with, if you are one of the ones who's going to make it, you would think by your second training camp, when they're trying to hand you the job, Elway clearly wants him to have the job. You don't want right. to give it to scrub Trevor Simeon. Right. You should take the job. And if he didn't take the job, they shouldn't start him just because he's big and tall and strong. He's got to take the job. And he so far has not. And so that does, uh, as someone who pulls for Paxton, that does concern me. Um, so I don't, I, I obviously Trevor Simeon's going to get the first start in the first exhibition game, but that's, it's not decided yet. Um, and then there's a whole season to play out and people could get injured and whatever. But right Right now, if I was betting, will Paxton become a legitimate starting quarterback, an effective starting quarterback in the NFL? Probably, I would. I, sadly, I would bet no. A because most don't, but then because so far you would like to see him. Not necessarily last year. You totally understood why last year, but you would like to see him making strides. And according to the Charles Robinson story, there's not a single practice when he has been better than Trevor Simeon. And it's not Tom Brady that he's not being better. It's Trevor Simeon. And that's not good. And so that looks a little grim for Paxton. It is interesting, though, because you think, and I wasn't, this was before my time in Memphis, but it's interesting looking at his career where he he redshirted for a year, which is essentially what he did in the NFL. And then there was the whole Paxton piano man, you know, thing where he had a year basically where he was not, I mean, I guess from So you're from saying heard, Trevor Simeon is Jacob Karam. Does he play piano? Has he been spotted down at St. Jude? Um, <laughs> Neither confirmed nor denied. The funny thing about that year, though, is that Paxton was actually good that year. Okay. Th- there were so many drops. Everything around him That's, went to crap. And sure. you could, like, he made mistakes. There's no question. You played him and you made mistakes. You're suggesting they should play him based on, on past history, let him play through that year, which essentially be, and, and then you'll get something in the end. That, that is my, my, my like working theory on young NFL quarterbacks is that you just have to give them time. And, and practice is one thing, but being in a game and being the guy is a completely different thing. And if you're the Broncos and you want to know, what you have, like you invest a first round pick in this guy, you want to know what you have in him. It's a four year deal. That's right? true. But the Broncos, that that maybe is the reason. People always say it's great to drop in the draft because then you get picked by a better team. Mm. Mm, not necessarily because the Broncos don't want to lose. The Broncos aren't in a position to lose. The Broncos think they can, they got Von Miller right now. He didn't want to lose, right? And so the, 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 the Tigers in that year too. No one expected Justin Fuente to win in year two. Like, he didn't have to win in year two. They, sure. Everyone could take their lumps. And if you were, you know, name a, if you were Jacksonville, Jacksonville kind of, is, but if you were a struggling NFL team right now that doesn't particularly expect to get into the playoffs, if you were the Cleveland Browns, if you were the Cleveland Browns quarterback right now, you could throw them out there because they're not expected to go to the playoffs anyway. But if you're Denver, you can't. If you're Denver, you can't. You can't do that with a young quarterback. You can only play the young quarterback when he is ready to be at least as good, if not better, than the guy in front of him. It's, I, that's the dilemma with going to a good team. I, was gonna say, I just think there's a very fine line there because you do need to get that game experience. And I feel like that's a step of quarterback development that isn't happening quite as much. Like we're basically like teams will either like start a guy right away and then like make a call on him after a year and a half or they just like won't, they'll make them like win a, and then like you know you only get a couple spot starts or, or whatever but i feel like like even like not to compare Paxson to peyton manning but everybody forgets despite well, how peyton good was terrible peyton but he was, had he great terrible. moments too he had great moments too right. a lot of touchdowns to go with those interceptions and also they stunk 
again, the team was in a different place. They didn't sure. need that. That was he was the number one pick in the draft. They were hooking their whole franchise to him, and they stuck. So we'll let take our lumps. Paxton's picked in the twenties or whatever he was, or 26, high teens, twenty 26. picks, pick high twenties, and a team that's ready to win now and whatever. They're not going to do what Indianapolis did and said, "We're building around you, Peyton. You're our franchise." That that Paxton, you're our franchise. You're not. You're the twenty six pick, right. and if he's going to get on the field, he's got to earn it by being at least. And you should be able to be as good as Trevor Simeon in practice. He's not some eight year pro either. If you can't be better than Trevor Simeon in practice, I don't know that you deserve to start. So. You know, I I get I take your point. I think it's a difficult situation because in other 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 like look at Blake Bortles, he's getting chance after chance after chance after chance. Like you want him to get, he's and he's getting all those reps and all those reps and all those reps and he's getting more this year, which nobody thinks he should be getting. Sure, if he was drafted by a crappy team like Jacksonville, Paxton might be getting those reps, but he wasn't. Right. Yeah, it's just a fine line, and I feel like there are so many guys who have maybe not gotten a complete chance as quarterbacks. Like I think that's one of the wrinkles is like all you can hope for Paxton if you're a, a Memphis fan, if you're a Paxton Lynch fan, is that he gets a, a shot basically and that they don't turn the page on him too soon, whether that's in practice. and, and It is. You're exactly right. I mean, look at Blaine Gabbert. You, you're, you invest the pick in him and then you become a journeyman and you're kicking around. EJ Manuel, they invest like, the year and a half, two goes by. Then they, they, th- they said, heck with this, we're not going to... Christian Ponder's another one. And so... Didn't those guys? Did it not work out for those guys because their franchises didn't give them a chance and gave up on them, or because they're mediocre quarterbacks who are never going to make it in the NFL? I don't know the answer to that, but I agree it's a fine line. I mean, they're going way back. Jim Plunkett was sort of not considered, didn't live up to expectations until he ended up with Oakland, and I think he did. Well, and so Drew Brees is the one that I always think of, you know, and that everybody and they said, oh, let's go with Philip Rivers, let's turn the page on Drew Brees, and then Drew Brees Look at Rich Gannon all of a sudden became a sure. good quarterback once upon a time, after sure. all, but that's few and far between. It's not right. the way, right now if you're not showing it by year two either they don't have the patience or you're not going to get a chance or you're not good enough. I don't know which one of it is but that is the way it works. Right. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, that'll do it for us here today. Uh, remember that we are on iTunes, we are on Google Play, search Tiger Football Podcast, um, rate and review the show if you can, and also remember to follow us on Twitter if you're not already at Tom underscore Shad at Jeff underscore Calkins. Um, for Jeff, I'm Tom. We'll be back here next week. I think next week, Jeff, we will do our predictions. We'll do our picks for the upcoming season. I keep that in mind. So that'll be fun. And uh, thanks as always for listening. This is the Commercial Appeal.